Temperature sensors have been involved in so many embedded systems for absolute years. And probably all of us as design engineers have used a temperature sensor in some form or function um, over that time. But in today's applications and today's embedded systems, the requirements on a temperature sensor are getting more profound than they probably have ever been with greater needs for accuracy, greater needs for precision, uh, and greater needs for low power consumption and incredibly small size uh, to be able to make that end product look and feel the way that we our customers want it to. Um, today, I'm having the privilege of speaking with Joris Rolls, who's the product line manager of Molex's infrared temperature sensors. Uh, and Molex has come up with some great new products in this area and, and wanted to spend a little bit of time with Joris discussing not only what Molexus is doing, but what he sees design engineers doing today uh, and where the direction he sees temperature sensors going uh, down the road. So, Joris, thank you so much for joining me today. I really appreciate it. You're welcome. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Absolutely. So obviously, you know, there's a lot of focus on new markets right now, um, you know, certainly in the, in the post, hopefully post-COVID world that we're living in. Um, you know, there's a lot of need for different sensor applications, wanting to be able to measure different people's uh, temperatures on, at a moment's notice, by crowd temperatures, things along those lines. Um, you know, and, and so with body temperature being a huge part of that, it, you know, IR sensing has been, you know, I think I've got a number of thermometers in my house we've used on our kids for years uh, that are all IR based. Um, you know, what are some of the most exciting new applications that you're seeing out there for IR-based temperature sensors today. Yeah, so, well, you, you mentioned a few applications already, you know, like the ones you use for your kids and the, the crowd measuring, etc. But um, most of those are actually what I call always a point-and-shoot measurement. So right. you decide at some point, hey, I want to know my kid temperature. Well, you take it and you see, okay, uh, well, this or this temperature and might or not have a fever. What I think is a very exciting trend which will well, shape, really reshape healthcare in the future, is that we're going to shift from that well, rather reactive model, well, I'm not feeling well, or my kid is not behaving like he should right. be, let's, let's, let's make a check, to a more proactive system, um, where we somehow we're going to have a wearable, <coughs> which is telling us, even maybe upfront, like a day before, you're going to get ill, or something is happening which is, is not right. And that's a major change, Compared, uh, yeah, first of all, it's better for the person. Yeah, the, the earlier you know something, uh, usually the better you can treat. Uh, you can just go home and, and have a rest or whatever and have some lemon tea and have a good rest and then maybe the disease won't be that bad. But also saving costs. Eh? Healthcare, I mean, the cost for healthcare is skyrocketing. <laughs> the earlier <coughs> you diagnose certain disease, um, yeah, the better. Uh, but what you need for that is actually continuous health monitoring, so the people not being, yeah, uh, you will not do that every day, people are, are lazy, but if you have like a watch or, or something, like an earbud, something you, uh, you can wear pretty casually, um, that's a very, very powerful system, um, with a bunch of sensors, <coughs> a lot of data, then you have some smart AI running on that, and yeah, that's a very powerful tool to, to reshape uh, healthcare. Um, and one of the, the things that what we well are uh, providing there is uh, temperature sensing, yeah, because again okay, the product line manager sure. temperature sure. sensing. Um, and more specifically, uh, we see a specific challenge because okay, there are a lot of relatively a lot of, of, of decent, very decent contact thermometers out there. But basically, it's a small electronic circuit. 
which can measure its own temperature. Um, so that's, yeah, that's like a contact thermometer. But yeah, the issue is that that circuit needs to be in very close contact with the thing you want to measure. Yeah? So for example, right. if you want to measure your, your skin temperature, you need to press it essentially against your skin to have good thermal contact. If not, it's somewhere floating. And again, it measures its own temperature, but if it's floating in air, it will partially measure measure the air. <laughs> and we solve that by, by non-contact measurement, which is a completely different principle. Um, we actually measure radiation emitted by an object. Uh, and just from the amount of radiation, if something is hot, it emits more heat radiation. That's pretty pretty obvious. So we, we capture, let's say, the heat flux, the amount of, of heat. And from that, we can calculate the temperature of the object uh, that has emitted the uh, initial temperature. So we kind of solve there the uh, what you have with a wearable with a wrist, some wristband sometimes. Some people strap it really tight. Some people, uh, they will play with it all around. And okay, the, the, there's some nice studies out there. Um, Showing that, yeah, the variability of those measurements because of thermal contact issues is just very large and does not give you reliable data. And that can be solved with uh, yeah, a non-contact temperature sensor, which have, right. by the way, the, yeah, or maybe you have a question. Yeah, go ahead. I can go, go on for hours, so <laughs> no problem. That's a good thing. <laughs> interrupt me if you have a question. <laughs> No, no. I mean, so, you know, obviously that's, that's been one of the things I think a lot of engineers are wondering about because, you know, I look at a lot of the products that we use and products I use, um, you know, my wristwatch that, that I have, um, you know, to, to measure a lot of my health vitals is not able to give me an accurate, you know, idea of what my body temperature, my internal core temperature is to say if I have a fever or not, that's, that's not something that's existed today. So how is that something that, that people are overcoming and, and hopefully will be available in the next generation of these products? Uh, well, the, the first step is actually make an accurate measurement. Um, in, in case of a watch, for example, it will be your wrist temperature. So that is a point, let's say, that Melexis can solve for you. So at least you measure accurately the wrist temperature. <laughs> to convert it into body core, that's, of course, uh, yeah, still a bit more difficult step because your wrist temperature not necessarily reflects body core temperature. Right. Um, yeah, we cannot re-engineer the human body, unfortunately. That's something we are not able to do. So we need to work <laughs> with what nature uh, gives us. There are actually spots um, uh, at your body which gives yeah, access to body core. Uh, in the ear, for example, but it's not sure. yeah, for many wearables. It's not, uh, for some wearables, it's, okay, it's suitable. There's a small spot here behind your ear, but then you need to be directly spot on. The forehead is also pretty well known. Yeah, also you can do it's pretty close to your especially to your to your brains, and also there it does not directly give access to body core, but let's say there is enough clinical valid yeah, validated data available. Uh, yeah, you can also buy in the pharmacy. By the way, FDA approved uh, forehead thermometers. So that's another spot. But again, yeah, the the wrist. That's not the solution for. Uh, yeah. At this moment, I, there are already uh, manufacturers on the market using our sensor in watches, uh, but it's like at the front of the watch. So you do basically something like this, and then, okay, you have an accurate body temperature, but again, uh, that's a point-and-shoot measurement, but, which, well, which is okay for, for, for a product. It's just nice to add, add to the watch as a feature. <laughs> but the future, really, I think, will be looking inward and measuring the wrist temperature, and from that calculating the body temperature. And it's already clear that you cannot do that from temperature alone. There will be several parameters in the mix. Right. Heart rate, for example, uh, is an important one because heart rate, it says something about your metabolism. If you're just, yeah, if you're uh, working out, uh, you're, uh, you're, 
you're sweating, uh, but also your heart rate goes up. So if you throw all of that in the mix, heart rate variability, uh, maybe some other parameters uh, like, like heat flux, breathing, <laughs> um, then from all of this data, it, there are good signs, let's say, that it, it will be possible one day to reconstruct uh, body core temperature, but we're not there yet. And it's work which is now yeah, very strongly accelerating. First of all, the sensor technology becomes available. We're not only talking about our sensor, but then also PPG sensors that become smaller and, and more powerful. So sure. now, let's say we're able to, to collect the right data. So now uh, there are a lot of, of our customers now collecting a lot of data and building biometric models um, yeah, to, to really just do that, uh, to really make predictions about body core temperature, about people uh, that will get ill in 24 hours, which I still think is a bit of, of, of black magic if you, you don't feel it yourself, <laughs> but your, your watch will tell you, hey, you're going to get a headache tomorrow. It's a right. pretty thing, but it's coming really. At this moment, it's still, uh, that watch is not there yet, that will tell you have a headache tomorrow, but it's, I believe it's coming. Sensor technology is there, now we're in the next step where uh, yeah, the biometrics uh, need to be developed, and that's very, very uh, exciting times ahead, I think, no in, in, in that field. Yeah, no, no doubt. I, I mean, obviously, the more data that we're collecting from any system, the more we can use models like machine learning or artificial intelligence to exactly, make those decisions yeah. and see over time um, and start to have a model that exists, you know, for every individual, for, you know, just our, our general biology. Yes. Well, and that, that's, that's the very, key. Very every every individual, eh? that's the thing. Till now, all these uh, things you buy in the shops for the forehead, they need to make assumptions about general population, but nobody is the average. There is an, nobody is the average person. Right. Uh, right. And yeah. th again, continuous health monitoring, personalized algorithms, learning who you are, that will mm -hmm. be yeah, the key to to much better, let's say, health healthcare services. So that's really yeah. the key. The individual. Yeah. Yeah. And so, I mean, things like, you know, in, in discussing the ability, yeah, okay, we know that we can get an IR sensor in our ear and, and we can get an accurate core temperature from that. Something like our wrist, you know, as you were saying before, it, it really comes down to looking at that temperature over time to determine the accurate core temperature and, and exactly. taking other readings, like you mentioned, uh, things along those lines. The other the big impact, I think, that on any temperature sensor application, even, you know, in older temperature sensor applications that I know I was doing in some of my previous designs years ago, um, is understanding the environmental temperature around to, to, to make decisions based on not just the, the, the object you were trying to measure the temperature on, which is in this case, we're talking about a human body, uh, but then subtracting out the environmental temperature changes and things like that. How's Melexis helping engineers with that and making that process easier to understand what the actual temperature of the target object is, no matter what the environmental temperature uh, changes may be? Uh, that's a very good question, because actually one of the uh, key weaknesses of non-contact thermometry that the sensors they tend to be very sensitive from mm -hmm. exactly what you say out <coughs> outward uh, thermal influences which disturb the sensor um, okay. and for that reason um, oh, i'm not sure if it's clear in, in the in the camera so i'm showing here uh, a teo can yeah okay so manufacturers this is the state of the art it, i know it looks 90s right uh, but this is the state-of-the-art package for uh, non-contact temperature sensors, 
Why is okay. that? Um, well, you, first of all, you see the the window, so the radiation comes in here. Right. But for the all the rest, let's say, is yeah uh, shielded by the metal uh, because yeah metal can has a good thermal conductivity. So yeah, if you, if you have like a gradient, um, a thermal gradient, it smoothens out, let's say. Uh, because of the good thermal conductivity and it also has a big thermal mass so you have some fastly varying uh, temperature like uh, just uh, just even uh, fluctuating air or sometimes enough uh, if you have an uncompensated sensor just drafts which uh, which are n present in every normal room yeah. they create tiny temperature fluctuations which will be picked up by the by the sensor so that makes it very difficult and people who have worked with this like apparently you many years ago uh yeah. well they know about this weaknesses many. it's not often advertised by the manufacturers of those sensors um right. but yeah this is one of the well, like like the contacts thermometers have the issue that you need a good thermal contact uh the non-contact ones have the issue that they're very sensitive to to let's say thermal noise from the environment right and for right. that reason they're typically bulky and packaged in yeah. Uh, yeah, big metal boxes, essentially. So a few years ago, um, yeah, we came up with uh, a solution for that. And well, this is going to be, yeah, the, the trouble is so small, I'm not going to be able to show it probably. <laughs> Wait, I'm, but I'm going to try to at least give the viewers some idea about the difference in sizes. So yeah, so this is yeah, three I by mean, three by one millimeter. This is a huge can of yeah, one centimeter by one centimeter. So right. that's uh, and yeah now, now you want to know probably what's the trick because here you don't see any metal can right it's just uh, plastic right. and well silicon window <laughs> and in fact uh, the secret is like so active compensation so we let it happen more or less the the thermal shocks and the noise but we measure it and we uh, real life we compensate for it right right uh, and without the user noticing it. Uh, this is a very stable sensor, but it's extremely difficult, as I explained, to do it in a, in a very small sensor. Yeah. You need really some active electronics compensating for uh, the, the, yeah, the, uh, the thermal shocks and the thermal gradients that will, in any uh, realistic application, will always be uh, will always be present. Right. And that's a complete game changer in a lot of ways for the kind of, you know, applications you Definitely. can have. I mean, yeah. it, you know, there's a huge limitation where we're using that, that big can in an application to do accurate temperature sensing um, and what your end product has to look like uh, for that to really fit into it. With this smaller sensor, it, it's a real game changer for the kind of products that can actually be designed um, and the experience of that end customer um, really changes quite a bit, which is definitely an exciting thing. Yep, and especially so. in wearables where things need to be extremely small. Right. Uh, yeah. Usually, you, you have some 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 hot MCU sitting next to it, which usually also already enough to. You're looking at the skin, which is also hotter. So almost right. intrinsically, you get a gradient, and the front of the sensor gets a bit hotter than the backside. If you don't have compensation, uh, yeah, you'll measure uh, <laughs> a lot of things. But yeah, you're gonna have a hard time, no doubt. Uh, a random, you have a random generator that's maybe also useful for some applications, sure, but sure. not for uh, when it's when you uh, are talking about health, right? Right. When the data right. need to be right. 
Excellent, excellent. That, that's very cool. And then obviously another big, you know, aspect of any temperature sensor, you know, the precision of, of really, you know, being able to, to, to have a field of view of where that temperature is actually being measured and, and how wide, uh, you know, that, that field of view is for what you're measuring. Can, can you speak a little bit to that? You know, what is the field of view in a temperature sensor? How does that work? And how does it play into the design considerations for an engineer? So yeah, field of view is indeed one of the, the key parameters and it's well, relatively easy to understand the effect, right? If you have a wide field of view, you're receiving radiation in a wide cone. So you're measuring at short distance, a relatively large uh, surface area. Yeah. And the one single pixel will average everything within that area. So mm -hmm. it's only good to measure a large surface at, uh, at short distance. If you have a narrow angle, then yeah, you can understand under a narrow angle, you measure smaller, uh, small surface at a uh, large distance. So I, very often one of the most asked questions is what is the range of your sensor? And I always right, say right. it's not about range, it's about uh, distance to, to spot ratio rather than, than range. In fact, uh, maybe a small fun fact, on a, on a cloudy day, I can actually measure with, with, with this kind of sensor the temperature of the clouds. Okay. So that's literally miles above my head, but I'm also then averaging, of course, a few uh, square miles of uh, of surface area. But in principle, that is uh, that is possible. Uh, so, but yeah, in, many, I, in some applications, I really want I, the most difficult is, of course, to look at the at the small thing far away, uh, yeah. and then you need to start to take measures to. Um, narrow the field of view, which is a challenge, huh? because if you if you make the cone narrower, you measure more and more parasitics, and fewer and fewer of the yeah, the thing you actually want to measure. It becomes smaller and smaller. Right. Um, so yeah, one one way to achieve uh, a smaller field of view. It's maybe also something I can show here. So here is yeah, yeah these are two TOCAN sensors, uh, and this one here is a narrow field of view one. And why is that? Because it's yeah, it's basically with a, a small tunnel on top of the sensor, eh? an external uh, aperture. So you can understand if you look through a tunnel, uh, then yeah, you only receive the radiation from the tunnel. Of course, the sensor also sees the radiation from the from the aperture, but for that uh, again we compensate. So we have technology uh, measuring real-time real the, uh, the temperature of the external aperture. And that is uh, again real uh, real time compensated, so the user does not notice it. Uh, now, of course, okay, putting such a big tube on top, it's okay eh, for some applications. Uh, but yeah, again, in a watch, I would not know how you integrate that. So again, you need to go to this kind of thing. Here, you cannot do the aperture trick. So what we do here, um, you make the uh, you can integrate, but yeah, that's okay. That's probably impossible to see. But we have some small lenses here as well. Right. Uh, so in, we integrate some s micro lenses on top of the sensor, which yeah, focus the radiation uh, onto the, the sensing element. That's something that helps also to reduce the field of view. You cannot go as narrow as this one. This is like five degree. That's right. not yet possible with uh, with this one. But here we do like like uh, 50, yeah, which is still better than th this one with a, without aperture, for example, is 90 degree. So right. it's already possible to reduce uh, quite a lot. Okay. Very nice. No, uh, it, but it, as I said, it, it really depends on the application. Eh? I, by the way, I expect for the for the wearables actually that for many the field of view might not be, not be so important even. 
Right. Uh, because I think again of the watch, the sensor will be probably at the back of the watch. It will be super close to your skin. So that distance is yeah, like very small, like a millimeter. So you're extremely close. Right. Uh, it's more for yeah, if you really aim at something more far away, but the wearables somehow are intrinsically uh, closer to your body. So for that specific application, I think field of view will not be, but okay, for many right. other things, um, yeah, it's extremely important. Yeah, yeah, no, no question. And uh, you know, for in the wearable applications, I guess that that's really not a big deal uh, because you are going to be right there against the body. Um, but you know, I'm, I'm sure in there's a lot cases, of other applications yes. for this that engineers would be considering uh, that could be helpful to figure out. At 50 degrees, I guess you still have you got to have a fairly large object at distance that you're actually trying to measure and and, uh, and understand. Um, so, but uh, that that makes sense. That makes sense. Um, and then, so I know this is, you know, this family of unique thermal sensors from Alexis that we're talking about today is a fairly new family that, uh, that you guys are working on. Uh, can you give us a peek behind the curtain, any devices or, or that we can expect in the future, anything else you guys are doing and, and things that engineers can kind of expect to come from this product portfolio down the road? Yeah, well, of course, we are well, anticipating what we think is a big trend, and I've mentioned it a few times already. I think the wearables continuous health monitoring. Uh, that will be the big trend of the future. Uh, and, well, if you can summarize what well our roadmap, I think you can say smaller, if you want to summarize it in one word. Right. Even smaller than this one. So it is already the world's smallest medical-grade infrared sensor. Uh, but I'm pushing our team constantly to push the barrier even uh, further. Um, well, I cannot reveal too many details how, how small it's, it's sure. going to be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, because we also don't know yet exactly. <laughs> it's also <laughs> because, yeah, what is absolutely mandatory, uh, we don't want to make any compromise on all the things you mentioned, like the precision, uh, yeah. the accuracy. It still needs to be medical grade, eh, which is plus or minus 0.2 degree centigrade. It needs to be thermally stable. Eh? And it's like I explained with every yeah, shrinking it further, the, the, the problem grows exponentially. So we'll have to yeah, really use all the tricks in the books if you want to push this three by three millimeter even even further to a smaller size. So it's very easy to say, though, let's make it a bit smaller. Um, but it's not as easy as, as for some sensors, you take a higher technology note, right? You go from 0.18 to something smaller and bam, up, and you have a bit smaller package and you're done. Here, it's absolutely not the case uh, because of the effect I explained. It will become right. even more unstable. Right. Um, but yeah, like I said, to, to, to enable that trend that we see, uh, smaller size and okay, also smaller power consumption. Um, but okay, the smaller consumption, I consider it a bit more, a bit easier as a challenge. The, the, the smaller size is really because of the parasitics, uh, yeah, will be a tough challenge, but that's a nice uh, challenge for our engineers. Uh, and yeah, hopefully in a few years there will be, uh, well, uh, literally a little, a little broader than for, right. uh, for the, for this guy here. I very exciting developments in the technology and what Malexis is doing with it, no doubt. And, and it's going to be exciting to continue to watch. Um, you know, I, I think this this advance that you guys have and the, the small footprint that it's in and still having those great capabilities um, is going to be incredibly exciting for a lot of applications, particularly when we're talk, look, talking about wearables. But I'm sure there's going to be a lot of engineers out there that come up with other unique ways of utilizing this product. No doubt, no doubt, no doubt. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I'm, I'm, I'm uh, in charge of the temperature sensor for... Yeah. Quite a long time already, but still I'm surprised after seven or eight years 
that people still come with some other application for a temperature sensor, which is not a surprise. A temperature is such a generic parameter, which is important yeah. in so many processes. That always there's some guy that comes with, uh, oh, no, that I've not seen before. Right, that right. Somebody is, yeah, yeah. That's what makes our discipline fun. That's that's, uh, <laughs> that's, that's awesome. A, that makes it fun. That's in fact, yeah. Um, yeah in, in my career, I've seen many and also visited many customers doing uh, extremely different and exciting things, and, and I learn a lot. And that, that makes it, of course, nice to, uh, yeah, also, uh, yeah, be in charge of this temperature sensor product line because the applications really go uh, pretty pretty wide. No question. No question. Well, th thank you very much, George. This has been very insightful. Really appreciate the time and the information on this product portfolio in this series. Um, if you have more more questions or, or more ideas or things you'd love to discuss, we'd love to help you. We'd love to make introductions with Malexis. Future Electronics Engineering Team uh, would love to help you look at the entirety of your design. If you're looking at something where you want to take temperature information, uh, humidity information, heart rate information, all these different things to do machine learning. So you'll need microcontroller for that. You maybe need the connection to the cloud to do that for artificial intelligence at the server level. We're here to help you with that. If you have those questions, uh, please reach out to us at shapingthefuture at futureelectronics.com. Again, shapingthefuture at futureelectronics.com. Or click the link in this video. Uh, we'd absolutely love to help you. Joris, thank you again uh, for your information on what Molexis is doing. Uh, and and uh, we're really excited about this product series and all the other great sensors and technologies that Molexis is working on. On. Uh, thanks very much, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. It was uh, a great pleasure from my side, and yeah, thank you very much for uh, inviting me for this opportunity to speak here about uh, yeah my passion. Certainly, certainly. All right, take care, all.